live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Woohoo! Gobble gobble, Parent Nation! Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are ya? I'm swell. I'm tired. <laughs> I I'm bet. My hurt. It's crazy. I'm, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you're getting old when things that other people have surgery for only creep up on your body like at certain times of the year, like my toy. This is my toy season. Uh-huh. So my I have um, carpal tunnel. Oh, from my years of dog grooming, mm. right? I have to throw that in every once in a while. So. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but it only kicks in during toy season because I'm like grabbing boxes and stacking boxes and wrapping pallets and stuff like that. And at night, I turn into like this crazy zombie person because carpal tunnel. I don't know if you've ever. Do you have it? You, no. You know anybody that has it? No. Hurts like hell. I bet. And it start. It's the kind of pain that wakes you up in the middle of the night. Mm. Right. So I'm like this zombie person. I like walk around moaning in the middle of the night. Like my kids probably think me and Big Daddy are getting it on, but <laughs> not even that's, close. That's what I was just thinking. Yep. Not even close. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's me. In pain, walking around with my sexy braces on my wrists and Ooh. down in ibuprofen like it's M&M's, baby. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to hire someone to do that for you. i got to hire somebody to run that warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do all the hard work. You just drive the forklift. Because that's fun. I bet. I wish I could yeah. do that. Except I ran over my ankle with the pallet stacker. Oh, no. Yeah, that hurt like a bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, screamed at the top of my lungs. The people that were working with me were like, what did she do? <laughs> and then and then this la- this past weekend, the family went on a hike. Um, mm. Yeah. And it was, like, the, the rockiest, most hilliest hike that we could possibly go on. And I was, like, a little 95-year-old woman in the back. Just go ahead, kids. I'll catch up. Did you have your walking stick? I did have a walking stick. Good. <laughs> it used to be. It used to be fun. Now it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so damn old. And then halfway up the trail, we ran into a, a ranger, a park ranger, two uh-huh. of them actually. And the guy's standing there eating a bag of trail mix, and he goes, "So, you people going up to the pinnacle?" We're like, yeah, and he goes, well, just to let you know, it's bear season. Ooh. So uh, if you're going to go over to that area, you're going to want to wear bright orange. 
and look out for the hunters because there's people hunting up there. And we walked away and I looked at Chris and I was like, okay, did the man just eaten bear bait warn us about the hunters? Because I'm more worried about the bears. <laughs> I didn't even think about I didn't even think about bears being around until <laughs> Ranger Rick there brought it into my space. <laughs> and me, I'm like bait for the rest of the group because they'll just throw me down with my broken ankle and my twisted up hips and everything else and leave me there for chow for the bear. Mm. But it wound up being good. We That's had, funny. It was, it was really funny. I was like, is he sitting there eating... And warning us about bears. Please don't drop one of those little nuts from your mix. Right? And heaven forbid, don't poop out here. (laughs) And it's crazy. But, uh, and I had on camouflage because, you know, I was with the wilderness club, so I wanted to be cool like the rest of the cool kids. You had the walking stick, so I had to walk there. Yeah, so I had my walking stick and my camouflage sweatshirt on. I'm like, I'm the opposite of what people don't shoot at. (laughs) (laughs) The opposite. Hang out with me, guys. Uh, Yeah, really. We'll get shot at. No problem. So, But it was a good time. It it was a good time. But the warehouse is getting cold. And you guys are on here before we get started talking about chocolate chip cookie pies and stuff. I know. Getting ready for the gobble gobble day. Yes. I looked it up and they even have a deep dish. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yes. Deep dish chocolate chip cookie pie. What's your <laughs> favorite thing? What's your favorite thing to eat for Thanksgiving? Stuffing. Stuffing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I like I like the turkey right away. Like yes. oh, not yeah. tomorrow when it tastes like rubber bands. Mm-hmm. But right now, I like that. And I like um, cranberry, homemade cranberry sauce. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a recipe this year for cranberry sauce with um, Chardonnay. Ooh. Hello. Totally doing that. You know I'm doing that. Yeah. You'd think you'd use more of like a a Merlot. Why you got to ruin it like that? Well, I I would would just say (laughs) it, it matches and it's deep and rich. It does. It does. Well, it's so funny because here I am going through all these cookbooks and every time there's a recipe with alcohol in it, I'm like, oh, I got to make that. (laughs) Oh, I got to make that. And now isn't this the year that everybody that's coming is either pregnant or doesn't drink? Oh, man. Whatever. More for me. So true. I know it. We're having two Thanksgivings in a row. Really? How come? Well, we we go to my mother's house um, Thanksgiving Day, and then we are having a Thanksgiving at my home on the Friday and inviting my dad and his son and the family over. See, you know what? I'm so glad that we have... um that we have Tara Eisenhardt on today because she's going to be mm. talking to us about divorce. Right. And the good divorce. She's going to be talking right. about the good divorce. And I'm so curious because I got to tell you, divor- my parents were divorced when I was two. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you, it could either be awesomely awesome, if I can say that, redundantly redundant. Sure. It, or it could be like the most suckinest thing ever. Because 
you got twice as many gifts and you got to see twice as many people or four times as many people, actually, because now you got step families involved. Mm-hmm. And you got to spend like 2.6 seconds with everybody. <laughs> you know, and they were all like fighting over you and stuff. But now as an adult, I'm seeing it from a different perspective because my friends and family are divorced and it's creating like crappy scenarios for us mm-hmm. as the hosts. Right. Yeah. There's all different sides to it. Yeah, there are. There's you know, the right side, and then there's the pain in the ass side. And the left side. Um, <laughs> my, my parents divorced when I was 18, um, and then I married into, my husband was divorced from his wife, so then I married in and became a stepmom. So I've seen it from the child, adult child side, and then the stepmother side. And then, like you said, friends are getting divorced and family members. So that's kind of strange when, like, my brother is divorced now. So his his ex-wife won't be at the holidays. And right. And isn't just, that weird? And then is. their kids are grown, so then their kids are taking sides. Mm-hmm. It's so bizarre. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to Tara about that and see what her 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 expertise is on dealing. I thought it was so funny because um, we have that um, the how enlightened families argue. Yes. <laughs> Do you like that? That's funny. Up on the Parent Nation page. If you haven't seen it, you have to go check it out, <laughs> Parent Nation, because that's, that's funny. And I know that there are going to be people who truly believe that they're enlightened who are going to watch that and go, well, that's not funny. No, <laughs> no, people, it is funny. <laughs> that shit is funny. Just get over it. Oh, yes. my God. It's so great. When the dad goes, I am trying to separate and escape from this moment with alcohol. <laughs> I'm like, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Oh, and then my poor pregnant sister and my pregnant cousin can't drink, so they Aww. can't escape. But you know what? We'll we'll just be talking about the babies the whole time. That'll be good. My sister is bringing reveal cupcakes. Oh, what are those? Reveal cuz she's bringing reveal cupcakes to Oh, those. I see. I see to reveal the, the gender. To, she's finding out today. Yeah, this is my first this is my first niece or nephew. Oh, that's exciting. I am so excited. Oh. Yeah. So I'm good. we're going to eat cupcakes and find out what it is. And Chris said, well, my husband said, well, do, do you go by the flavor? Like, I don't understand how that works. Uh, I'm like, yeah, it either tastes like motor oil or <laughs> Gucci. Like, what do you mean? It's- uh, <laughs> He's like, it tastes like either drama or sports. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I've seen more dramatic sports nuts men than anybody. <laughs> Crazy. They have oh. the drama and the sport. It's not separated. Exactly. I, oh my gosh. Do you have? Do you guys watch sports in your house? Oh yes. So it's. Are you crazy sports fans? Well, my husband is, and I just I'm just along for the ride. But he's a big college football fan. Um, but sports in general, baseball, of course. But we so- always have the game on holidays. So are they are they like gonna insist on having the football game on for Thanksgiving? 
Uh, yes. How do you handle that? I don't mind. You don't mind? I don't mind. <sighs> it drives me crazy, Kelly. Does it? It does. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. You know why? Because um, I find that men can get really ugly and stupid when they're watching football. No, and that's true. Drinking. And I don't like that atmosphere. Hmm. I, I, see, your, I see your point. Ugh. Because we have so many guys that yell at the screen as if they can actually hear them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're oh my talking God. into their mic. Right? Yeah. You can, are you going to call them? Are you you going to call the, the, the special teams coach and tell them that they shouldn't be going for the field goal right now? Really? Is that what you're going to do? It's, oh, my God. And then they start yelling and cursing. And, and don't you dare wear a jersey to my house on Thanksgiving. No. Yeah. <laughs> better dress yeah. up. My husband says, I would never wear a shirt with another man's name on it. I'm Why? Like, okay. Because it's another man's name. It doesn't look like a man's name. Walker isn't a man's name. Oh, well, well, Texas we, Ranger. We all know that if it's a sports jersey, it's a man's name is on the back of a jersey. Would you wear a, a T-shirt with, um, with uh, I don't know, like a rock star on the front of it? I would. Would you wear a T-shirt with Mick Jagger on it? Sure. Well, yeah, Karina, be- Karina wrote Beyonce. My husband's not going to wear a T-shirt with Beyonce on it, Karina. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. We're talking about men wearing men's shirts. <laughs> like like David Bowie or or Mick Jagger. Or, See, I don't you know? think my husband would do that, but I would. Oh. He's the one that says I would never wear a jersey with another man's name on it. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I guess that makes sense, but it really doesn't. You no, gotta have a, it's his opinion. You got to have your favorite player, right? Sure. That you root for. Sure. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, though. See, we're we're Eagles fans here. Well, I'm not. I'm gonna put that out there right now. I'm not claiming <laughs> it. Um, but you know, being from this area, it's sure. you're either a Steelers fan or an Eagles fan, typically. You know, rooting for the home team. And uh, I just, I, I, I think the, the Steelers fans and the Eagles fans are some of the ugliest fans. Well, you know what? Doesn't every team say that, though? Oh, yeah. You know, I guess people say, like, I love, I'll root for anybody playing against the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess everybody has their goofball fans. Right. Whatever. And you're, and you're talking about the game being on. I just thought of something that... With you know, that. with the rivalries and the teasing of the teams and that type of thing between the guys a lot of times. Yeah. And that I don't like gets that. kind of on my nerves. Yes. I don't like it. And I, I don't like that. Sometimes it can get to be downright bullying. Right. And, you know, we have people, like, among our friends and family that if their team loses, they are literally, literally miserable for uh-huh. days afterwards. Yes. Like, seriously? How are you going to take it that hard? You must have a lot of money on that game. Right. If you're going to take it that hard that a professional football team that you're not even part of lost. And here's the thing. Cheer up, little Sparky. They still made their $11 million. (laughs) They're still happy. They're going to come back next year. I promise. (laughs) It's crazy. Ugh. My kiddos. 
Now they're into wrestling. Oh. Now football is over and you go immediately into wrestling. And you know what they're doing now? And this is something that I want to talk to our second guest about, Natalie Moore. They, our wrestlers, these are 16-year-old kids, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids in school with all this other stuff, right? They're doing now what they call doubles. So they have to get up at 4.30 in the morning Mm. and go to practice before school starts. And then they have to leave practice, get a shower, all that stuff. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I had to interrupt for a (laughs) A moment. My husband husband just walked by the door and he's getting a leg cramp. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not funny, honey. It's not funny. It's not funny. Now he's going to walk up the stairs. Aw, he just gave me, he just said hi to me with one finger. Oh, that's so nice. So cute. So anyway, anyway, anyway. So now these kids have to finish wrestling practice go get a shower, change, and get to class on time. Mm. And then after school's over, they have to go back to practice. Oh, man. Is that ridiculously Did, stressful? It is. Did they make them do that with football, too? Yes, they had doubles mm-hmm. in football, too. But the thing is, they could start them later because they were during summer break. Okay. And then so, they have to get their homework done and spend time with the family and eat dinner. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. And wrestling, it's bad enough that they want to drop weight and all this other stuff so they're not eating right. Right. It's like they don't need that. That kind of stress weakens your body. Mm-hmm. And it makes you a bad athlete. I don't like it. I think it's a poor practice, and I think it's too stressful. So I'm excited right. to talk to Natalie. Uh, Natalie Moore is going to be our guest in the third segment, and she's going to be talking to us about test anxiety and that sort of thing. But I think that this goes along with it. I think that sure. the expectations that we put on our kids go along with that test anxiety and all that other stuff. So right. I'm excited. And it's it's not just in sports. My daughter's in theater and it's, it's a lot of time practicing and it, it's you know, crazy. It's rehearsing crazy. and all that stuff. So, Oh my gosh. I remember dress rehearsals going until 1130 at night. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about that with Natalie in our third segment. So, but soon we're going to go to break. But I, before we go, I want everybody to know that we need you to go to our toginet.com website and click on the button that says take the listener survey and let us know what you think of the show because those surveys are really important and it tells us what to bring to you. So when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Tara Eisenhard about the good divorce. <laughs> Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Need a doctor but don't have time? Don't want to take your sick child out of the house? Doc on Call gives you access to U.S. board-certified doctors by phone or video conference. 
Avoid illness in waiting rooms. Don't take time off work. Call from the comfort of your own home. Get prescriptions when appropriate. No health restrictions. And the best part? No consultation fee. Don't put off going to the doctor. For only $18 per month, get 24-7 access to doctors for you and your family. Go to DocOnCall247.com slash ParentNation to sign up today. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Parent Nation. I am so excited for our first guest because, you know, Kelly and I, Kelly, we were talking about it during the first segment. You know, divorce is, it just, it keeps getting bigger. You know, we used to say, oh, the divorce rate is 50%. Ah, you know, it's, it seems like everybody we know is divorced and, or getting divorced or from a divorced family. And, um, our first guest, Tara Eisenhard, is the daughter of a cooperatively divorced family. And she's also an ex-wife and she's a previous partner of a uh, divorced dad. And she's had tons and tons of experience in divorce. And now she writes about it and she speaks about it and she coaches people through their family divorce issues. She's a mediator. And um, she really is great about helping people heal through divorce. And she's the author of the book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes, as well as Good Divorce Principles. And she also writes the blog, relative evolution. So um, she's been featured all over the place, and I'm really just excited to talk to her about how we can handle some of these divorce situations that we are all going to be immersed in over the holidays. So, hey, Tara, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing really well. Hi, Tara. Hello. Two Tara's and a Kelly. Two Tara's and a Kelly. That sounds like a sitcom, doesn't it? It does. I like it. It's a great name. It's a great Mm -hmm. name. So we have, you know, most of the United States is is coming up on Thanksgiving, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving, all of the United States, actually. Canada just did theirs like a week ago. Um, But that brings us together mostly. And everybody seems to have a situation in their family. You know, you, you always see it on TV and you always hear about it. You know, like the the animosity around family and, and you know, people that pretend that they're happy when they're really not and all that stuff. So, <laughs> so what, what are you experiencing right now as far as how people are handling divorce? Well, right now, this time of year is extremely stressful for people going through a divorce um, in, in two different ways. Number one is there are people who are getting ready to get divorced and nobody knows it. And you had touched on that a minute ago. Mm. Um, it's actually, um, I think it's the, the Tuesday after all the kids go back to school and everything after the holidays. That's like the big divorce day when everybody calls their lawyer and says, okay, <laughs> we're done. Seriously? Is yeah. that true? 
it's uh, it's it's known as divorce day. Um, <laughs> and because, you know, people get to this point, but you get to this time of year and it's like, oh, the holidays are coming. And, you know, we, ha- we have to plow through it one more time for the kids and, you know, pose for the Christmas cards and everything. And then, yeah, after after the holidays are over, let's start the new year fresh and call the lawyers and go to war. Doesn't that sound great? As soon as um, that tree comes <laughs> down, I am out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> So uh, we have people who are kind of grinning and bearing it, gritting their teeth right now. Um, and um, and it's very stressful for them because they know what's coming after the fact. Um, mm. and there's people who are going through their separation process for um, maybe the first time or maybe the first couple times, which is extremely stressful because, for one thing, um, you know, they – they might be at war, which I really don't agree with the idea of going at war. I view divorce as a solution to a problem and a shared goal in a, in a couple. Um, but, um, you get together with the families and you're not with the ex anymore. And you've got all these people. This is what happened to me when I first got divorced. Everybody was either angry for me or sad for me. Mm-hmm. So you've got people who are separated with their respective families and you know, what better thing to do when the whole family gets together is to just trash talk the ex. Mm. Um, which it is, is not fun though. It is. It, it can be really fun, um, but it's not very productive. And especially for families where there's children involved, um, right. you know, that's the, the mother or father of these kids. And so, I, and, um, you know, it's, I really don't recommend doing it too much, um, especially not in front of the kids. And really, if, if you want to trash talk your ex, um, I always say, you know, what does that say about you? I, right. <laughs> I could, I could complain about my ex all day long, but I'm the one who married him. So. Exactly. I just complain about my husband because it's yeah. easier, and yeah, I'm the, we're, we're not divorced, so he knows what I'm saying. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so, do you? We have. Um, I we always see these situations where the the families are like either recently divorced or you know they're getting divorced or whatever and everybody's kind of like walking on eggshells and they're like buying more presents you know like they're trying to buy the children's happiness and affection through the holidays and stuff like that i mean do you how do you handle that what do you do do you talk about it like yes Um, and really my whole, my view of divorce is so different than the way that our culture typically handles this. Um, as I said, I view it as a solution to a problem and the way that our culture deals with it is, um, we feel a lot of shame. There's our society prizes marriage and despises divorce. And anybody who's going through that process is made to feel like they're a bad parent, like they're a bad person. They're a bad spouse. They're a failure. And so there's a lot of compensation that happens. Um, and you know, they're compensating by buying bigger presents for the children and having a a competition between mom and dad for those kinds of things. Um, there's a compensation that happens when they point fingers and say, well, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. It was his fault or it was her fault. Um, And we really don't need to do that. I think that the best thing that we can do is let's bring this out into the open. Let's talk about it and let's agree that we need to trust families, that we need to trust adults to make the decision that is the most appropriate for their family. And then we need to just support that. 
Um, mm. So it doesn't need to be a competition. It doesn't have to be a blame fest. People can just say things aren't working. This is what we're going to do to solve it. And we're working towards this together. And that's that's it. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what I'm starting to see, Tara? And tell me if you're seeing the same trend, especially with the millennial generation and younger people are setting up house, but they're just not getting married anymore. That's true. Yes. Um, the marriage rate is declining and the marriage age is getting older. We're not, we're not doing it the way that we used to. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of individuals among the millennial generation who really just don't see the need to get married. Wow. Isn't that kind of scary or is it? I don't think it's scary. I think that it's, um, I think it's evidence that our culture is evolving and I think that it'll be very interesting moving forward to see what happens and how things play out. Of course, not getting married doesn't mean that when you break up, you're not going to have the same kind of stigma and the same kind of shame and blame and, you know, struggles through the process. Um, you know, it, it's not going to spend 10 years with somebody. It doesn't matter whether you have a legal document or not. It's going to be the same kind of stress when you end it. Um, so I think it'll just be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it's I, I, I'm predicting that marriage is going to stay an institution for like highly religious groups of people. And mm -hmm. for the rest of the world, it's just going to be like. You know, we're, we're going to change our laws around how we can own and purchase property and things mm -hmm. and share custody. I think mm -hmm. that will change before the marriage rate increases again. I think mm -hmm. eventually people just won't get married anymore unless, yeah. unless it's like a really highly, like I said, highly religious thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's another thing that's funny, too, is I, I have so many people that I know um, that... I look at them and go, you really should get divorced. <laughs> like th this is clearly everyone around you knows that this isn't working. Um, but yet they won't because they're staying together for the kids or for their faith. Right. And it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, the idea of staying together for the kids, um, you know, everybody wants to do that. And a lot of times people will try. I know couples who stayed together for as long as they could until the kids went to college. Right. Um, and then, you know, the kids go to college and then mom and dad get divorced and the kids look back and say, well, my entire life was a lie. You, you weren't happy for the last, you know, 15 years. Why? Um, and in the meantime, you know, they're fighting in front of the kids or they're not sleeping in the same bedroom. And it's the state of the relationship is evident in most cases. And I, I always say to people, if your child came to you and told you that they were as unhappy as you are right now, mm -hmm. would you tell them to stick it out because it looks better? Or would you tell them to do whatever they needed to do to make themselves happy and feel like a whole human being? Exactly. You know, that's such a good point. And uh, I've said that several times to some of the people that I that I'm talking about. Like, if your kid was in the relationship that you're in, would you tell them to just stick it out? Like, or or would you say to them, like, let's say your daughter was in this relationship that you're in right now. And she was as miserable as you are. Would you tell her, ah, just stick it out, honey. It's fine. You know, stick it out for the dog. You know? right. 
stick it out until you graduate college and then you can decide who you really want to be happy with. Like, who makes choices like that? Mm-hmm. And I remember as a little girl, um, my even in my like step parent, my mom and my stepdad situation, I remember being nine and 10 years old and thinking, I wish they would just get divorced mm-hmm. because the fighting was so intolerable to me as a child. And we think our kids don't see it. Right. We think we're hiding it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The kids are smart. Yeah. And highly intuitive. That they are. And that was one of the things my parents separated when I was um, 13. And that was one of the things that was so great. I really grew up thinking that divorce was a wonderful thing. Um, You know, they when they lived together, they fought. And there were times when I woke up in the middle of the night and I could hear them yelling at each other and they were you know, downstairs or whatever. But I could hear them and um, I knew they weren't happy. And then they separated. And all of a sudden there was peace in the home. There was peace in my life. And my parents were able able to move from this relationship where they were at odds with each other all the time, that there was so much conflict and they were able to change the the structure of their relationship so that they were now parenting partners and they got along so much better. And it was wonderful. I, I, I really grew up thinking that that was, that that was just great, that divorce is a solution. And why don't more people do that? Exactly. Why don't more people do that? Because our culture doesn't really like it too much. (laughs) There's a lot of religious pressure. Um, There's a lot of just in general, um, financially is really a huge one. You know, we're a a very, it's sad to say, we're a very materialistic society. A lot of people like their, their big houses and their two car garages and their two cars and their 2.1 children. And we've got, you know, the whole soccer mom culture or whatever mom it is culture. And, um, and there's this kind of all American value that goes along with that. And people know that if they separate, that they're going to probably have to sell the house and they might have to downsize the car and maybe they can't afford to spend $6,000 on all year soccer, traveling to tournaments all over the place. Um, and there's, there's a lot of fear that goes into that, um, lifestyle and the way that they were going to, that they're going to look in their community, um, Mm -hmm. religious pressure, obviously. And, and there's a lot of people who also say, well, you know, nobody in my family's ever been divorced. How could I do this? Wow. Isn't that total peer pressure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My parents were married for 65 years. I got to beat the record. Like, seriously, <laughs> I'm I'm miserable and I have a really nice house. But so, psh, you know, happiness, that's taking a backseat. It's it's just totally amazing to me. And I I'm one of those people that if I look at it like if you are more enjoyable when you're not with your partner, that should tell you something because it's telling mm. everybody else something. Yes. You know, yes, that's a very good way to, to look at it. Um, you know, really taking inventory. A lot of people lose themselves in their relationship. They, they forget who they really are. And, um, and so that kind of plays into it too, is that, you know, they, they don't know who they are anymore. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, you know, whatever. And, um, and they forget And so that also makes it a little bit easier to stay because they don't know who they were and they don't know who they would be. Wow. So you help people with that, with your coaching? Yes. Where can we find your book? 
Uh, my book is available um, pretty much wherever books are sold. Um, bookstores might not carry it, but they can order it. Um, it's available on Amazon, paperback, hardcover, and also in uh, ebook formats. You can get it for iBooks. You can get it for the Nook at Barnes and Noble. Um, pretty much all formats. Um, and uh, or you can order it off my website, which is TaraEisenhard.com. Awesome. And we're going to put that information up on the Parent Nation Facebook page because you do, you in addition to your books and your blog and all of that stuff, you do offer one-on-one coaching with people. I do. Yes, I'm a coach and I'm a mediator, so I can I can actually you know help on the one-on-one kind of side, or I can help a couple to have a conversation about what's going to happen next. Wow, that's awesome. Do you involve children in your coaching at all? I can. Um, typically not, just because it's it's much more of a thing where this is something that mom and dad need to deal with. Um, it's kind of an adult level sort of thing. Um, really, a lot of the the focus for, you know, where I'm concerned and coming at this is that kids need to be kids and they shouldn't be stressed. Um, but there are times when it's when it's important to talk to them and involve them in conversations as far as especially how things are going to affect their lives. I agree with that. I think that uh, especially with the families that I'm dealing with right now that are going through it, um, they came to me because they're having problems with their kids. And what we what we kind of had to unravel or unwrap was the problems that you're having with your kids are based on the way you're handling your divorce. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty crazy. So I love what you're doing. We're going to put all your information up on the Parent Nation Facebook page. And thank you very much for joining us today, Tara. I appreciate it. And when Thanks we come so back, Absolutely. And when <laughs> we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Natalie Moore about test anxiety and kids. So stay tuned, everybody. Close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy-Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo 
that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. That was so fun talking with Tara about divorce. I love that. That's a great yeah. So, yeah. And now we're going to be talking to our next guest, Natalie Moore, who I'm excited to have on the show because she is a psychotherapist, a holistic psychotherapist, which I absolutely love. Um, and she incorporates mindfulness and somatic practices into her work to help her clients restore peace and balance in their lives, which is so necessary because she deals with stress and kids. And I think that we are so, we're in a society that's so focused on medicating the hell out of everything that we've forgotten that personal practices can be just as, as vital and long-term beneficial, more long-term beneficial than popping a pill. So I absolutely love that she's on the show and she's going to be talking to us about stress and kids. And hey, Natalie, how are you? I'm great. Hi, Tara. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I am by nature a high-stress person. Can you tell? <laughs> well, I can tell by the tone and speed of your voice, actually. Yeah. 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 It's, I don't like to call it stress. I like to call it animated energy. Well, that's a great reframe. We call that a reframe in psychotherapy <laughs> when we take something potentially negative and we turn it into a positive. <clears throat> yeah, I do that a lot with a lot of things. I, I reframe a lot. <laughs> and uh, my... Um, so... I deal with a lot of kids who are dealing with really high anxiety and high stress, more so than I ever remember when I was a child myself. Are you noticing this? Yes, I think that it's an epidemic in our culture these days where kids are so overscheduled and oversubscribed that they don't have the time that they used to to just go outside and play and be kids. They have to run from school to tutoring to soccer practice to music class to art class to whatever it is that they do. They don't have that time to just be anymore like they used to. Did you, were you listening in the first segment when I was talking about my wrestlers? No, I didn't hear. So here's what's going on. So I have, um, I have three teenage boys in my home. Two are my own birth sons and one is a, a boy that, we're, that, that we have living with us right now. And my oldest son and the, and the new boy, the new son I call him, they're both 
football players and wrestlers. So they had an extended football season this year because they went to a playoff situation. And immediately after football was over, they went into wrestling. And they're doing this thing right now where it's the first week of wrestling practice. So they have doubles. So these boys have to get up at 4.30 in the morning, go to a wrestling practice before school starts, shower, change, go to school, and then immediately when school is over, go back to wrestling. And they get home at 7.30 at night. It sounds like a whole lot for, for kids to be doing. It's incredibly horrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I as know. a mom, I want to go, no, screw it. You're not going. You're not doing that. I'm not letting that coach do that to you. And then there's these two boys who are so passionate about their sport that they're going, mom, this is what we have to do. If we want to wrestle, this is what we have to do. So don't take this away from us. <gasps> oh, my God. I, I totally understand the conundrum that you're in. I think that it's more of a systemic problem. I think that the, the solution is not to take away these kids' extracurricular activities. I think it's more a systemic problem within the schools that the, the hours that the kids are expected to be there and then the amount of time that they're expected to do homework after they get home is in encapsulate so much of their day that they have very little time left to do those things that they really love and enjoy and, and are passionate about, like your sons love wrestling and football. Exactly. It's, it's really funny because this weekend, this past weekend, we went on a hike and um, it was with the Wilderness Club. And it's so ironic to me because of all the available clubs in the school, this Wilderness Club has the highest attendance of any of the other organizations in the school. There's like 145 kids that are in Wilderness Club. And I think kids, just like us, are craving the downtime. They're craving getting out into nature and, and getting away from all the craziness that is their life. And when they, when the boys came to us and said, hey, can you go? On, we want you to go on this hike with us. My husband and I both looked at each other, and I shit you not, we were like, how long is it going to take? <laughs> I know. Because you're wondering if you can fit it into your hectic schedule. I think you bring up a great point about the kids craving downtime. I think that that being in nature and wilderness allows you to connect with this more playful, childlike side. Because you have free reign to to explore trails and be mindful and look at leaves and trees and notice nature and really be in the moment. And so I think that you're right. The kids are really craving that because they don't find that in any other aspect of their lives. It, it was amazing. It was it was so funny because my son wanted to take this. Um, he wanted to take his phone and a and a, a Bluetooth speaker with on the hike. Right. And we're like, uh -huh. no, that's annoying. Don't, don't you dare. You, you know, you want to listen to what's going on around you. You want to, you don't want to scare the animals away. And we were out on this trail for like four hours. And when we were lead, when we were getting towards the parking lot, doesn't a group of like 20 something guys come walking up the trail with a speaker blaring. And my son looked at us and he's like, that's annoying. I'm so glad that you told me not to do that. Wow, well, isn't it great when kids can validate us? Yeah, I love when my kids validate me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of what you deal with is pressure around the enormous around amount of tests 
that our kids are expected to take and pass nowadays, right? Well, it's happening a lot in the schools now where kids are really being taught to the test as opposed to in the past, they might have been doing a lot of project-based learning, going on field trips, doing a lot of things where kids can learn organically. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. There's so much more pressure on kids now to be able to perform on these state tests so that the schools can get funding for them. And unfortunately, the kids are feeling an enormous pressure from teachers and school administrators because the administrators and teachers really want funding for their school. And so they put the pressure on the kids to do well on these tests. And it's really unfortunate because the kids aren't learning in an integrative way the way they used to. And now they're so freaked out about getting good grades on these tests that it's having a negative effect on their physical and emotional health. Uh, I see it. I'm seeing it. And you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way the scores come home. It's labeling them. I mean, That's true. When- when the scores come home, you don't just get like an 87. You get a you get a label of how intelligent or not intelligent you are based on this one rubric. Right, and we now know that these tests are culturally biased. So it's sad to say that kids who are not of the dominant race and culture think that they're not as smart, but it's because that test is not designed to test their intelligence. It's designed to test somebody's intelligence of a majority culture. Right. It's ridiculous. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. And the labeling issue that you brought up is really important because most kids will attribute their intelligence to these test scores when in reality, Intelligence is something that's so fluid. You can exercise the brain almost like you would exercise a muscle. The more you work at something, the better you get at it. And so when kids think that that their their intelligence is something that's static and not changing, then they have less hope for the future. And unfortunately, kids aren't taught this. Most kids think that you're born with a native intelligence and that there's nothing you can do about it. And so if you label a kid early on and they begin to identify themselves as one of the not as smart kids, then you're going to see them not living up to their potential. And nobody wants to see that. You know what's so funny? I think you'll truly appreciate this. Uh, When I was in sixth grade, I started doing poorly in math for the first time because we got into advanced math topics, right? Mm -hmm. So um, up until that point, I was really, really good at math. And everybody told me that I was really good at math. Then I started failing miserably. And what they did was they took a group that I don't know if it was just my school or if it was a nationwide initiative at the time, but they took a group of us who were failing at math and they put us in a, in a pseudo math counts kind of mathlete program. And they told us that it was because we were so good at math. And do you know that putting us in that group and just feeding us that information and giving us that messaging actually improved our test scores? Oh, it doesn't surprise me at all. There was a study done where they 
misled teachers and told them that their kids were honors students, even though it was a random sample. And those kids who were told, whose, whose teachers were told that they were honors students did better than the kids whose teachers were not told that they were honors students. The way we perceive kids changes how they behave and how they perform, which is an important implication to keep in mind, which means that as parents, what we should really be doing is telling our kids that they're amazing just because they're them, just because they're themselves and just loving them and accepting them the way that they are and they will flourish. Exactly. It's so true. You know, when we get those test scores, when the kids come home and they're like, you know, oh, we have, they'll bring groups of kids to the house and they'll be like, oh my gosh, we have these PSSAs coming up and and we have to do, and it's like four days of testing and they're so hard. And my kids will look at them and be like, why are you stressing? Because we tell them, if you know it, you know it. If you know the information now, you'll know it for the test. If you don't know it now, there's no reason to cram it because you're not going to retain it and it's useless information. So just test off of what you know right now today and you'll be fine, you know, and and chill out about it. Don't even worry about it. Right. That's a great message to be sending to your kids because it takes a lot of the pressure off of them. There's this relationship between stress and test performance where it goes up a little bit, the performance goes up quite a bit if you're a little bit more stressed about it. Because if you had zero stress about something, it probably means that you don't care about it at all. But if you have debilitating stress about something, you're also going to do really poorly because you can't even access that information. The parts of your brain where for memory recall will just be shut down. But there's this middle point where you perform really well, where you're a little bit stressed because you care enough about it to want to do well, but you're not so stressed that you're overwhelming your body's ability to recall information. So it sounds like with your kids, they're in that sweet spot of they care enough to do well on the test, but they're not so overwhelmed that they're that they're stressing out the day of and can't remember a thing and drawing blank when they're <laughs> taking the test. It's that's true. It's it kind of like that's what that's what I was taught about speaking. You know, if you go if you're getting ready to go out on the stage for a speaking engagement and you're not nervous at all, it means you do, you don't care. It doesn't matter to you. If you're a little bit nervous, then it means that you're concerned and you care and you really want to do well. And, you know, when you obviously if you're so scared that you can't even speak, then like to your point, then you freeze and you're done and you fail. And yeah, yeah. there's a great TED talk on this. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called How to Make Stress Your Friend. It's by Kelly McGonigal. She's a famous psychologist, social psychologist, I think. And it talks about this very concept of noticing our anxiety and letting it work for us. So you know how I was talking about reframing when we first started talking, taking something from a negative and moving it into the positive realm? You can do that with your stress right before a test or right before a speaking engagement. You can tell yourself, okay, I can notice my heart racing. I notice myself getting a little bit sweaty, a little bit flustered. And remind yourself, this is your body's response, a natural response to help you be in the optimal shape to face a stressor. That's why we get an adrenaline rush. Because, you know, back in caveman times, if we were being chased by a tiger, we needed that adrenaline rush so that we could run away and save our lives. It's the same thing. Our brain, the 
the reptilian part of our brain doesn't know the difference between a real stressor like a tiger and a perceived <laughs> stressor like giving a speaking engagement. But you can tell your brain, look, this is a natural response. I can use this adrenaline to help me to animate me so that I can really entertain and educate the people that I'm speaking to. I love that you you just gave that example because it's such a perfect way to deal with kids with any type of stress. Because let's face it, kids are operating from that primordial, that amygdala, part of that fight or flight part of their brain 90% of the time, right? So if your your kid is feeling stress, instead of saying, oh, well, you need to calm down, you shouldn't be stressed, use the stress use what their reaction to tell them how it's helping to prepare them for what they're going to be facing. Right. What you always want to do with kids is to reflect what's going on with them. If you tell, have you ever noticed if somebody's freaking out and you tell them, just calm down, calm down, it's kind of the worst thing that you can do to someone because mm-hmm. it just adds fuel to their fire. You know, they're going to be like, I'm not, I don't need to calm down. You know, they're <laughs> going to yell at you. So what you do is you reflect, you reflect what you see in your child. I see that you're so anxious about this test. Tell me about that. Or, wow, I can really see that you really care about this test. And find out where they're at. So you meet them first where they're at. Then if, if you want to help them relax, you can ask them, Do you, is there any way I can support you with this or help you with this? And if they ask you, well, what can I do to calm down? Then you can offer strategies and techniques. You can teach them how to do deep breathing from, from the diaphragm instead of this short breathing. I love that. You can That's teach such them great advice. I love that so much. I am so thankful that you got, we're on the show today. I'm going to be using your techniques on Thanksgiving. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, I yeah, have, you probably need it. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us today. And we're going to put your information up on the Facebook Parent Nation page. And Tara Eisenhardt, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, check us out on the web or on our Facebook page. And until 